Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Howlin' at the Moon. I'll be your host, William, and today I would like to welcome you to this episode discussing... Drumroll, please. Weighing in at 260 pounds and standing at 6 foot 3, the bull cow of the blues, the screaming animal of the south, it's... Howlin' Wolf. Today we will be exploring the life and legacy of this blues legend, and how his voice not only resonated throughout auditoriums and stadiums, but also with those in America who are ravenous for success, despite their struggles. And of course, we can't talk about the artist without first talking about the art. So let us dive into the art of blues. Originating from the music of African slaves in the late 1800s, Blues music would soon evolve as the great migration of the 20th century spread throughout the South and the rest of America. It stemmed from the struggle of being black in America that so many faced, and in his book The Spirituals and the Blues, James H. Cohn writes that blues music is about black life and the sheer earth and gut capacity to survive in extreme situations of oppression. Blues songs often sing about sex, love, and or relationships, or as Willie Dixon put it, the blues are the true facts of life, expressed in song, inspiration, feeling, and understanding. And Wolf's music is no exception. It is with the power of that inspiration and feeling that Chester Arthur Burnett could find his calling and transform himself into the blues legend known as the Howlin' Wolf. Chester was born in White Station, Mississippi, to a family of sharecroppers. In his spare time, he would go into town and listen to the blues legend Charlie Patton play. Using a borrowed guitar, Wolf would learn the art of the blues from Patton, which he would take to local bars and country music houses before expanding to play with other blues artists like Floyd Jones and Robert Johnson across the South throughout the 1930s. He soon became known for his electric guitar, harmonica, and vocal growl, putting the howl in his new name, the Howlin' Wolf. Despite this beginning, it would not be until almost 20 years later after his service in the military that he would get his real shot. Scouted by the legend Ike Turner during one of his performances in Memphis, Wolf would be brought to make records under the same record label that would go on to give Elvis his start, Sun Records. As described in the book, The Man Who Invented Rock and Roll by Peter Golnerick, Sun Records head Sam Phillips had said, I heard one number and instantly, I instantly said, this is what I'm looking for. It was a voice that mixed the roughest elements of the Delta Blues style from which he had been weaned cutting through the studio atmosphere with a sandpaper rasp, an almost overwhelming ferocity, but retaining at the same time a curious lyricism, a knowing combination of fury and fragility. It would not take long for Wolf to become a local celebrity and get signed on to another record company by the name of Chess Records. It was there that he would record some of his most famous songs like Smokestack Lightning and Killing Floor. Wolf would leave the audiences speechless and amazed at how it performed, as well as the power of his voice. The emotional impact of his singing was near divine in the way that he could connect with an audience. If it was joy, they'd laugh and forget about their worries. And if it was sadness, they would cry together too. Even people like the great B.B. King would go out to see him play and were captivated by the raw emotion in his stage performances. He said to James Seagrest and Mark Hoffman, he was one of a kind. Nobody I heard before him or after has had that same fantastic delivery. That certain something in his voice that seemed like a sword that would pierce your soul when he'd sing. Howlin' Wolf's legacy moved through the generations of rock and roll like a guiding hand for other bands to look to for inspiration. Artists such as Led Zeppelin and the Rolling Stones, 
They would take after his voice and create their own unique spin on it, carrying over his power and emotion into their performances. Zeppelin would even make their own cover of Wolf's hit song Killing Floor, Mountain and Lemon Song, where he's listed as a co-author. And Keith Richards of the Rolling Stones said this in an interview when he was asked about what it was like to meet Wolf. Awesome, actually. It was uh, kind of like meeting an elephant. He was just so big and overwhelming. And then the other thing is that you realize you just met like one of the most gentle and knowledgeable elephants that you were likely to meet. Keith had immense respect for Wolf as a musician and as a friend, saying... When we insisted that uh, they put him on this TV show called Shindu, and uh, sticks out his hand and says, love the stuff you've been doing with my stuff, you know, and you go, pass the test. That. And then he became a very good friend, especially to Bill Wyman. Just like how these bands took inspiration from Wolf, they too would inspire modern day musicians and make them a part of Wolf's legacy. Take, for example, the modern day band Greta Van Fleet, whose lead singer Josh Kishka's voice has a very strong growl, very akin to that of Howlin' Wolf. Let's listen very closely and we can hear that same style of growl in the singing of Wolf. showed itself in their performances through bright lights, sparks, and moving around the stage and belting loudly, enveloping the audience in the power and emotion of their voices. Wolf's musical footprint truly strutted through the ages of blues and rock and roll with the way that he planted musical seeds that future rock stars would water and grow into the booming electric genre that we know today. exemplifies the American dream that we all know and love beautifully, spinning poverty and pain into stardom and fame. The wolf's tail is practically out of a movie, and what a protagonist he turned out to be. He faced adversity from the very beginning, and as most would fold under its pressure, he was molded from coal to a shining diamond in American music history. This same archetype of suffering fueling the path to flourishing is shown in Hanif Abdurraqib's essay on future and working through what hurts. In it, he claims the rapper known as Future's Golden Run was born out of a desire to bury himself after a devastating breakup. Post-breakup, Future would go on to create some of his best albums that took the world by storm. And Wolf can relate to this story because he too came from hardship and wrote about his life's general struggles in songs such as Going Down Slow, where he woefully wails about wanting to make up with his mother before he dies. Please write my mama. Please write my mother. Tell her shape I'm in.
These two artists demonstrate the American dream through their use of their painful sufferings to create a beautiful experience for the world to enjoy. American dream is the idea that anybody, no matter where they come from or what circumstances they are born into, can still, through hard work and commitment, bask in the golden light of success. The Howlin' Wolf embodies that dream, going from poverty and simple sharecropping with rough family relationships to being immortalized in music history. He was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for his song Killing Floor, and Smokestack Lightning was placed in the Blues Hall of Fame and the Grammy Hall of Fame. Even after his death, his legacy continues to grow with his song, Smokestack Lightning, being inducted into the National Recording Registry of the Library of Congress. This is a great honor for Wolf's legacy because Congress only adds 25 songs every year, determined by their enduring importance to American culture and their need of permanent preservation. With his music earning all manner of awards and recognitions, Howlin' Wolf has established his legacy as one of the greatest musicians in history that still goes on to inspire new generations today. Well, ladies and gentlemen, congratulations! You made it all the way to the end of our musical journey. I would just like to thank everyone who helped contribute to make this episode possible. A special thanks to Mr. Miley, who taught me all I needed to know in order to produce this podcast, and all other effects and editing of the recording were done by yours truly. This has been Howlin' at the Moon, and until next time, I hope you have a fantastic day. Audio Jungle.